Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As we record, the Cannes Film Festival is wrapping up its 72nd edition. Once again, a disproportionate number of the film's biggest stars have flocked to the French coast for 11 days of the world's freshest and occasionally greatest cinema. Nipping at their ankles like a yacht-born chihuahua are the press and film industry people, and one of those nippers is our own Anna Bogutskaya recording from Cannes. While I'm stuck in, I mean, delighted to be recording from producer Pete's flat. Anna, how is it over there? It's been fun. Um, and also very strange because I think this is, this is only my second time coming to Cannes, but uh, the most notable thing to mention about it this year is that the weather has been horrendous. So I've actually missed London because I think the weather is nicer over there than it is here right now, which is not the most interesting thing about Cannes, but it is now day six or seven or perhaps eight of my stay here and everything is merging into one, all the films, all the people. That's the state of Cannes and my mind at this moment. Can I get kind of dig into the mess that is your mind of put together a little Cannes quiz? Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, go for it. I don't know how many I'll be able to answer. Can you give me a, a number from one to ten? It's like a kind of tombola type thing. Oh, um, six. Number six is, have you skipped screening to spend time on the beach? And you have to be honest. No, I haven't been on the beach once. Really? Really? It's been raining a lot. The closest I've been to the beach has been in the UK Pavilion. Oh, classy. Okay, <laughs> another number? Uh, three. How many hangovers have you had so far? I will not dignify that question with an answer. <laughs> you take the fifth on that one. And the last one, go on. Nine. Number of screening walkouts. And I mean this both from you and from other people, because notoriously it can, when a film is going down badly, people like to harumph, slam their seats and leave the cinema with much show. In screenings that I've been in, just one that I walked out of, and also that happened to be the one where I noticed people, a lot, droves of people walking out. And that was Nicholas Winding reference, not film, but Amazon TV series, A Call to All to Die Young. Killed a woman the other night. I didn't feel any guilt or remorse. I just felt empty. Is that how you feel? No. A quiet, brooding young man with a dark past who is embroiled in the dark city underbelly of Los Angeles. People aren't who you think they are. There's someone else, too. Someone you don't get to see. So 
It's all the stuff that Nicholas Winding Refn loves and all the stuff that I love from him. But the young man is Miles Teller, who I cannot stand. <laughs> Did you get a kind of punkish thrill from standing up and walking away from that one? A little bit, although I was too far up in the screening theatre in order for it to matter at all. But it did feel refreshing because I realised <laughs> mid-screening that it was not an hour-long episode. It was going to be three hours wow. of the most self-indulgent, pretentious crap I'd seen in a long time. So there was no way I was going to stay for the whole three hours. All right, let's get on to films we should be talking about. So first of all, the big British contenders, such as they are. Chief among them, Ken Loach's new film, Sorry We Missed You. What do you think of that film, Anna? Well, this is one of the ones that I was not able to see. The screening schedule here is so mad. There's so many things happening all at once. And sometimes you can't get into things and sometimes you can't get it. So Ken Loach's film was in the official competition, meaning that it's the biggest films and the hardest ones to get tickets for. So I haven't seen that, but what I've heard kind of on the ground from people or universally was that it was amazing. And also, interestingly, I've heard from people from other countries that it feels like the most British Ken Loach movie, right. which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Miserable, I imagine. <laughs> Just give yourself some choices, mate. Seb? Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. You could go to uni. Go to uni? What? And Billy Corpoon's brother, 57 grand in debt, and what? Working in the course centre now, getting smashed every weekend just to forget his problems. Of course. Yeah, but it don't have to be like that, does it? There's some good jobs out there. Good jobs? What good jobs? Well, there is. If you just knuckle down, give yourself some options. You know, otherwise, you're just going to end up like. Well, what I don't you? Know... Oh, fucking nice. He gets real international uh, love, particularly at Cannes. And it's, mm-hmm. it strikes me with this film and with I, Daniel Blake. I mean, I, Daniel Blake was about a Newcastle carpenter who's out of work and having struggling with health problems. This one's about a guy in Manchester. Is it, oh, sorry, he's a Manchester guy in Newcastle who's joined the gig economy in order to become an Amazon-ish van delivery driver. A sense of theme. Yeah, and they're very specific British working class stories. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they go down really well with the international crowd. So there's, there must be some kind of common ground that they're all speaking to. I don't know. Maybe people just like seeing people from other countries be miserable. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You've cracked it, Anna. Well done. <laughs> the other uh, British-ish prospect is the BFI-backed Little Joe, which is by an Austrian director. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, this one is directed by Jessica Hausner, and this one I did manage to go see. It's also an official competition, so but it, I got a ticket, and I purposefully kind of avoided learning too much about it in advance, so I kind of went in blind, which I think is the best way to go. But it's sort of a um, invasion of the body snatchers esque sci fi film, but it is so stunningly beautiful and it's so weird i think that is the only word to describe it because it creates its own universe Hi. with its own rules little joe and sort of all of the characters have very particular mannerisms that don't they live in the real world but you cannot imagine them existing in the world that you and i existed that one was quite divisive with audiences everyone i've spoken to has either absolutely loved it like I did and was completely there for it from the first moment or did not like it at all and kind of completely rejected it. So it's one of those marmite things which I think actually speaks volumes about the film is because it does generate a reaction in people. It's not a, not a middling film. It's nothing that you can sort of ignore. We are entering a new era here. The first 
mood-lifting, antidepressant, happy plant that's fit for market. I mean, you can imagine the benefit for humanity implicated in this innovation. So very distinctive and it's aesthetic and I think it's shot and designed so beautifully. It's essentially the plot which I'm just going to touch very, very lightly on is a kind of a plant scientist, let's call her a breeder, played by Emily Beecham, has sort of discovered a plant whose scent will make people happier. But that might have a dark set of repercussions that it won't run into. And she's supported in the cast by Ben Wishaw and Carrie Fox as well. And it's all set pretty much in this very futuristic, very soul bassy looking plant bioengineering company or something like that. And kind of that world that Jessica Hausner creates, it's such both a visual and thematic throwback to some of the kind of, you know, conspiracy sci-fi films from the 70s. So it's quite an enjoyable ride if you're into that vibe of filmmaking. It sounds a little bit like, to someone outside the Gilded Gates, Yorgos Lanthimos is the lobster, not just because of the Ben Whishaw connection, but because of that kind of futuristic sense of no place. I guess you could say that. You could say that um, she definitely kind of exists in a completely different reality. But you, I would compare it to The Favourite in the sense of how it uses a very familiar and very specific genre. Mm-hmm. And kind of completely gives it this art house director's unique aesthetic and unique view in the world and in storytelling, which sort of feels at odds with the genre, but weirdly enough, at least for me, married it perfectly. And for anyone who is a fan of sci-fi films, it becomes a breath of fresh air because there are just enough weird touches there and kind of unexpected turns and I don't mean turns in in terms of plot but rather kind of in terms of direction and stylizing of the film that make it fresh. Tell me about your boy Arpats in The Lighthouse which is another one of your favorites. Okay I saw The Lighthouse yesterday I'm still not over it. (laughs) Catch your breath for a second and tell us what it's about. I need some time to process (laughs) the unbelievable film that the lighthouse is so this is directed by robert eggers whose first film was the witch which premiered at lff i think a few years ago and this is is just extraordinary it's i i don't want to compare it to the witch because i feel like they're quite different although you can definitely sense feel his style in there it's got a beautiful use of language it's shot gorgeously in kind of very stark, very high contrast black and white. And it's basically a two-man show between Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson's characters, who are two guys kind of in charge of operating a, a remote lighthouse. And it's a chamber piece, and it's them going you know, the conflict between them and something weird might be going on as well outside. And, you know, Robert Pattinson is not allowed to the lighthouse and he really wants to see the lighthouse. And that's kind of the main <laughs> thrust of the movie. And But it goes into such weird directions. The film that instantly came to mind as I was watching it to compare with is Possession. Oh, yeah. And then an 1881 film. And it is genuinely stunning. And Honestly, Pattinson gives such an amazing performance. I don't know if there's any still deniers of his acting ability and the fact that he pretty much single-handedly is getting funding for the weirdest art house films out there. They're going to need to watch The Lighthouse because it's it's spectacular. And it's that sort of marriage between art house sensibilities and 
really weird horror sensibilities that I'm just I'm just absolutely here for. Robert Pattinson wants to go into the lighthouse but can't get into the lighthouse is an amazing short synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) It will make sense when you see it. There's a whole thing about it. Also, someone tweeted the other day that they can't wait for this to become a part of meme culture and it will. I mean, this is not the sort of thing that we should be talking about when we're talking about films premiering at the biggest film festival in the world. I cannot wait for the memes of The Lighthouse. I don't know about that. I think that would have been a better quiz question. Which one is going to be the most meme-tastic for the next decade or so? (laughs) Go on, tell us about And Then They Dance, which is another favourite of yours. Has that got any memes in it? Oh, 100%. It's got the best dog side-eye I've seen in films in years. (laughs) You've heard it here first. Could you set that up for us a little bit? (laughs) So, And Then They Dance is, I think, one of the breakouts of the festival. Everybody I've spoken to that's seen it has been absolutely in love with it. It's a Swedish-Georgian co-production, and it's set in the world of traditional Georgian dance, kind of in a Georgian dance uh, ballet school. So, yes, it's once again a ballet boy film, which you know I love. It's effectively a kind of a coming out and a coming of age story of a young dancer who's trying to make it into the the dance ensemble and the company to actually start touring around and working professionally as a dancer. And his kind of whole world being turned upside down by the arrival of a new dancer to his troupe and him discovering feelings for him and sort of discovering his first love and kind of embracing his sexuality as well. All at the same time set within this really rigid world of Georgian dance, which is extremely traditional and very much, and, you know, they say this very outright in the film as well, kind of centered on very, you know, hard as nails, traditional alpha masculinity. So, and the protagonist is sort of a mix and he's, this is his first role. So I think he's an actual professional dancer. He's never acted before. He's kind of like a mix of Timothy Chalamet and Daniel Radcliffe. And then his other kind of dancer, his love interest is the sort of army hammer-esque type of man. And this is very much, I think, the way that people have been talking about it, kind of this year's Call Me By Your Name in many Mm -hmm. ways, where it's so enthralling to watch and just completely takes you in with the characters. The lead performances are so sweet and so strong. And it's got this kind of very specific world that is existing that it completely takes you into. And um, it's just a joy to watch. Genuinely, at every screening that it's had where the filmmakers were present and such, there was about a 10-minute standing ovation. People just could not get enough of it. That sounds lovely, Anna, but tell us about the dog side-eye. <laughs> there is a scene where the lead character is sort of on his bed and he's got a dog and the dog is sort of in the background looking around and then the lead guy looks at the dog and they exchange a look and then the dog just sort of turns around and his eyes start shifting and you can tell that he's judging what his what his owner is doing at that moment. I can't wait to meme it. <laughs> so. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tell us about your weirdest pick from the festival so far. That would have to be a film that's in the official selection called Deer Skin by Quentin Dupieux, who is known for his weird films, including uh, Rubber. And it's essentially a film about an aspiring filmmaker, actually a deerskin fetishist turned serial killer who is trying to make his movie, but he's also obsessed with deerskin fabric. And he's essentially really just trying to get enough cash to buy himself a full on deerskin outfit, shoes, pants, belt, gloves, the whole like is the whole thing. It is a very strange, very black comedy. It's very Marmite. If you're not into that sort of humor, you're just not going to understand why this film was even made. But because the star of it is Jean Dujardin, who is a really popular French actor, and he won the Academy Award for The Artist a few years back, and he's playing such a dark, very greasy, stranger-esque role, it becomes hilarious to see, you know, kind of this beautiful leading man in this very esoteric, weird, violent character. But it's just such deadpan black humor. It makes no sense, and it makes no sense to explain it. It's just a weird watch, but a weirdly enjoyable one if you're into that sort of humor. I feel like if we were playing Can Bingo, you would have filled the board there. You've got weirdo, psychotic, pervy thing, an obsession with something very small scale and minor, and then you've got a Jean de Jajan in there as well. Exactly. is terrible. <laughs> but it's pretty much ticking all the boxes, which is what I love and hate about the Cannes Film Festival, is that you know exactly what you're going to get, but it's always quite a satisfying formula. Oh, yeah. There's so many. Uh, I mean, this year I've really enjoyed or loved almost every single one of the films that I've seen. So I feel like the program has been incredibly strong. All right, Anna, never mind your arty business. Tell us about some stars. Well, the opening night film was The Dead Don't Die, which is Jin Jarmusch's new one. And that has got Adam Driver, Bill Murray, Chloe Sevigny. Who else is in that one? 
Carol Kane, Tom Waits, Iggy Pop, Sarah Driver. Iggy Pop is a coffee-obsessed zombie, right? Yes, he is. (laughs) He's also the first zombie. uh, Oh, no, the second one after Sarah Driver that appears when the zombies start rising up. Ripped from the pages of real life, that story. (laughs) In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying... Something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. So I saw that on my first day here, and I... uh, I really enjoyed it. I audibly laughed and also at one point actually yelled out what in the middle of the screening because <laughs> of a certain turn the movie has. Flesh eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Oh man, this isn't gonna end well. They gravitate towards things they did when they were alive. Coffee. Chardonnay. Did she just say Chardonnay? Yeah, she did. It's really good fun. It is, you know, arguably within the over of Jim Jarmusch, maybe a, quite a slight film, but I don't hold that against him. It's a great ride. It's extremely fun. It does something new and interesting around the zombie film, which frankly is quite formulaic and predictable in many ways. So any filmmaker that tries to bring something a little different to it is always much appreciated and welcome. Another big film that I saw here that's going to be coming out just in a few months in August in the UK is Pedro Almodovar's latest, Pain and Glory, which I've been dying to see because... I'm not just a huge fan, but I used to work for him for a few years. So every film that he's released since I left, I've looked back at fondly and loved seeing it within the map of all of his work, which uh, I know intensely, intimately. So this one is just an absolutely gorgeous, intimate piece. It feels very him in the sense that it obviously references a lot of his own life and his previous work, which is something that he's done in in other films of his, especially the ones that are based around film directors. So in this case, Antonio Banderas plays an aging film director who has a lot of pains and aches and ailments that sort of prevent him and stifle him creatively, but also are, are kind of depressing him and putting him in this frame of mind of trying to make amends or revisit certain moments in his life to understand his current situation a bit better it's a stunning performance it's extremely theatrical and that really elaborate um almodovar way you know the dialogue is gorgeous and beautiful and it feels almost like you're watching a play but in the best possible way but also the stylings of him especially the cinematography and the music which are done by his regular collaborators alkaine and um, alberto iglesias the composer are so cinematic it, kind of reminded me of All About My Mother um, in the sense that it's this very heightened but very internal melodrama because it's all about a man remembering and trying to understand himself as opposed to anything external necessarily happening to him. 
but because it's done by a master of cinema, it's just stunning to watch and it just will not let go. Everyone I've spoken to here has been absolutely in love with it, even people who are not necessarily a lot of our fans. Flipping to something completely different. I mean, the dying days of the festival, we've got Quentin Tarantino's new one, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm -hmm. starring Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio. To my right is Bounty Law series lead and Jake Cahill himself, Rick Dalton. And to my left is Rick stunt double Cliff Booth. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. <laughs> Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. <laughs> Are you looking forward to that one? Is there any kind of advanced buzz? To be honest, um, yes, massive one. But as much as I want to see it, I probably won't be seeing it here. <laughs> Are you coming home? No, uh, I just think that there's more interesting, smaller things oh, happening at the Anna. festival. <laughs> I love it. What are you going to see instead of the new Quentin Tarantino film? Um, I, <laughs> is, is that my way of justifying to myself that, oh, it's fine that you couldn't get a ticket. It's fine. There's more interesting <laughs> things happening anyway. I don't want to see it anyway. <laughs> Let's spin it like that. You're rejecting yes, it, not the other way around. Yeah, that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> Oh, I've got a whole bunch of films yet to see. One that I'm really looking forward to is the new Bakakambari film, Wounds, and the new Gaspar Noé, which is not a feature-length film, it's 50 minutes, which I'm hopefully seeing today, starring Beatrice Dahl and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Well, I'm not saying that Anna is hungover, but if she is, a new Gaspar Noé film, I'm sure, will definitely help her get over however she's oh, feeling yeah. right now. It's like a cinematic Barocca. <laughs> There we go, then, the 72nd Cannes Film Festival. That's it from us this time around. More regular service resumes next episode when we'll likely be talking about Danny Boyle's Yesterday and alternative history films. Apologies, by the way, to anyone waiting for our John Wick episode. I only finally saw the film last night after Anna had left for Cannes, and my one-word review is... Whoa. The Bigger Picture, brought to you by the British Film Institute, is co-hosted by me, Henry Barnes, and Screen International's future leader 2019 pick, Anna Bogutskaya. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Henry H. Barnes and Anna's on at Anna B. Demented. The captain of our super yacht is producer Peter Sale. More of Pete's work at petersale.co.uk. I've just realised Anna's still on the line, so we could have done the last line anyway. Shall we do it, Anna? <laughs> okay, let's try. <laughs> Should it just be woe? Well, it could just be woe. I also wanted to give you another one from John Wick 3, which is, I have served and been of service. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it's relevant somehow. Oh, I love it. I'm so, honestly, the one film I want to see is John Wick 3, and they're not showing it here. <laughs> what so am good. I even doing? It's so good. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.